That's A. This is Shelby. Keshe, this is Jeremy, and welcome to For Your Plan Only Podcast. 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 <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello, everybody. And welcome to our podcast. Again. Again. And we are <laughs> chilling again. Out at, at Cheap Camp. Yeah probably smell like manure we're shoveling it all day uh, i don't want to think about that we smell like smoke right now because we've been having to restart fires and yeah it's been cold yeah it's been really cold but we've been having fun we've been playing with the cows all day so yeah love cows might make me go vegan <laughs> but i don't know who am i kidding so, today we're going to be talking about problems we've had trying to start our business on the Navajo Nation. And we're not going to be talking about paperwork problems or, um, you know, um, application-related problems. We're, we're really going to be focusing on um, problems that affected us and our business personally and some of the obstacles, obstacles yeah. that we've gone through, um, just coming back home and... Yeah, what it's like coming back home since we've been back home. Right. And trying to start our business. Mm-hmm. Just our story. Yeah. So maybe we should start with telling you guys what our intentions were for our business before we actually moved back home. When we were still in the talks of moving home, we lived in Chandler, and yep. if you listen to our previous podcast, we used to work in Scottsdale at the Camelback Inn Resort, um, which is a part of the JW Marriott chain. Yes. Yeah, and we, when we were talking, we wanted to own our own restaurant, a permanent location, Yep. and start off small, you know, maybe even... A breakfast and lunch spot or pastry some, something but we just wanted we like knew a deli or yeah something. we knew we wanted a spot a, mm -hmm. a, a location a, a building yep that we could sell out of and <clears throat> when we finally well when we left and moved out here that wasn't the case that was we wanted to start off small, so we started off at the vending spots by the gas station. Um, uh, it's like the vending They call spots it Mutton Alley. The, yeah, they call it Mutton Alley. It's like the flea market vending spots. That's where we were looking at starting because um, it was just Jeremy and I. We weren't planning on hiring anyone at that time. Yeah, we um, thought that spot would be a perfect small spot for mm -hmm. a small operation. Yeah. So we were just going to do breakfast and lunch. We ended up talking to whoever is in charge of those buildings, and they told us that there was no vacant spots. And we asked them about the spots. Well, what about the spots that have that look that are empty, basically? We were told that there are two spots in that area that are not being used currently by a vendor. One of them is actually for the police department I guess they're supposed to have like a um, I don't know if you would call it like a 
little temporary station or something. I don't know. I don't know what you would call it. But they said that the police department was utilizing one and that um, the other one, they weren't allowed to, or they were choosing not to lend out or lease because it had a crack in the floor. And this was a year and a half ago. So I'm, I'm guessing they just don't fix cracks in the floor. <laughs> I don't know. But um yeah, so that sh we were shut down there really quick. And there was a spot available at the shopping centers across the road, um you know, in the same strip mall area that True Value is in and Mikasa. But when we had when we were in the process of trying to apply um we were told that it was no longer available and that spot went to what is now I think a makeup store so yeah that didn't really work out either and then we did try uh, going to a few other places that do have kitchens in their facility um, yeah that we were shut down too with those yeah. um but that that itself was kind of disappointing just because of the pitch that we had we were being compared to previous and other vendors that i guess left a bad taste in the owner's mouth in the owner's mouths and they said okay well what what makes what makes you different, different? and we told them our background our experience. We brought our portfolios. Yeah, we, we had our to... resumes. We we were willing to do an event or anything like that with them if they were willing. It was just, I guess, wrong timing or yeah. You know. I mean, it happens. Yeah, you're gonna be told no a lot more times than you're gonna be told yes, and um, it did kind of set us back a little bit, but. But if anything, I think it it sparked it sparked something within us to be like, all right, well, we'll show you type thing. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. how I looked at it. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, I understand what you're saying, and I think so too. We, we ended up going to Department of Economic Development, which is located in St. Michael's, Arizona, mm -hmm. and we were able to talk to somebody who was able to show us a map of all of the locations in Winter Rock and Fort Defiance area that had available locations. But the problem was that um, the locations that were available did not have water or uh, electricity hookups. So, you know, for us trying to be a restaurant, we, we need that. Yep. And there were a few other spaces that we had inquired about because there are quite a few locations in Wonder Rock that would make great locations for restaurants or, you know, any type of storefront, um, like a restaurant facility. And we were told that a lot of these buildings, even though they're still standing and um, like nothing has been done with them for the past five, six years, maybe even 10 years, they have asbestos in them. So we're not really quite sure how, you know, yeah. what the procedure is in ridding of buildings that have asbestos. But that's all we know. That's all they tell us. Oh, it has asbestos. 
Yeah. So, so it's like, okay. Those were off limits. And then we were able to look at um, a few other spaces that were available. It was just that the location wasn't that great. Um, there was a location available up on the summit um, past St. Michael's where the old trading post used to be. Again, that, that area doesn't have water hookup. And it is kind of off the road, um, not too far. It's like maybe a few, uh, maybe a couple hundred yards off the road. And again, we would have to build from scratch there and get water and sewage hookups in mm -hmm. that area. But um, And then we even tried, like, okay, well, what about these other buildings that are built from brick that don't have asbestos? And those are... Oh, he's historically talking, yeah he's talking about the uh the older buildings that are in window rock area so toward the window rock monument there are um dilapidated buildings that are uh brick and mortar buildings but again those are off limits due to historical preservation preservation yeah it was discouraging a little bit because we had so many plans for our business to grow within a small, uh, even a really, really small kitchen with a small storefront. Since we didn't have any spots to sell out of and we found out that a lot of, it's very hard to get property on the Navajo Nation for a restaurant. Um, even grazing permits were even part of the whole situation that were brought up, a topic that was brought up when we were looking for a spot to even build yeah, that's true. And that's a that's that. a that's a very great area too. I feel like oh, that's a really long conversation. Yeah, it's um, if, it sounds it sounds messy. It's very messy, and um, there was just no room for economic development in certain areas of Window Rock. But one thing we did have to consider was demographics. Who our customer? Who we're selling to? what they like eating but also we had to take in consideration our style of cooking and shelby's coming from phoenix which is something that any person going into food business has to take into consideration before you actually start a food business correct we as our business jeremy and i we were trying to introduce a cooking style that was different and because we wanted to be dis different, it did present other difficulties and obstacles. One of them was literally trying to introduce food out of the norm without a permanent spot. So what we were talking about just a minute ago, you know, not, us not being able to secure a spot, now we were trying to figure out um, how we were gonna be able to introduce our food without making a name for ourselves and without a permanent spot. That, that was very difficult. How are we gonna get people to buy from us? To take, I guess to say, how are we gonna get people to take a chance on us? Especially if they're used to, you know, certain vendors that they buy from the all norm, the norm, what you said. So what are the norms in the Navajo Nation? Let's see. Burritos. Breakfast burritos, for sure, yep. in the morning. And what else? People also buy Navajo tacos. They buy button sandwiches, steak sandwiches with tortillas. 
they buy Navajo burgers, mm -hmm. stew and fry bread. Um, I've seen hot dogs and hamburger sales a lot. Enchiladas? Do you think enchiladas or is that? Not really as a no. temporary food stand, but yeah, I think I've seen people sell enchiladas out of their houses. Mm -hmm. So um, we were competing with all of these. and. But we also want to do something different. Yes. That was our main goal right. too. Was we wanted to be different, stand out. We didn't want to do the same as what everyone else was doing. We wanted to bring food to the Navajo Nation or the Winter Rock area, what people would actually go out to border towns to buy. Yeah, so, so you wouldn't have to go to Gallup or... Okay, I take that back. Gallup does not have that much variety either. No. So I'm going to go further than that. Albuquerque. Albuquerque, Farmington. Phoenix, Farmington, Flagstaff. Exactly. So we wanted to bring that type of food back so that people would have that option at home. And um, when it came to uh, actually setting up a temporary kitchen beside the road and selling these things, it was pretty hard. You know, us um, being very naive at the beginning, we were thinking to ourselves that, of course, people would come and buy food from us because it's different, because <laughs> it's something that they have to go to Gallup to get. Yeah. You know, but... <laughs> you have to realize, too, like, trust. Trust you have. How do we get their trust? Right. And I think... The best way, one of the best ways to attack that situation is obviously, I think you have to make your food or your product taste really good and hope that word of mouth works for you in that case. And when we started, do you want to start off? Because we did do salsa. Yeah. <laughs> we started off with salsa and, and baked goods. Which is very random, but it's different. Different. And we set up beside the road where uh, a lot of people, there's a lot of traffic in the morning, but also where people would normally go get um, their breakfast burritos. Exactly. So we took the breakfast burrito lady spot. <laughs> <laughs> one morning <laughs> uh she was nice though she she moved over she moved over <laughs> she shared and but we didn't want to sell burritos anything because we didn't want to honestly we didn't want to like take that away from her i think that'd be a dick move so well i mean you know a lot of people set up there to sell burritos in the morning so but we wanted to be different we yeah. wanted to stand out we wanted to not conform to what people were selling or what the normal was here yeah. so we took a chance we set up in her spot we got there a little earlier than she did that morning <laughs> we set up our canopy we set up our table really nicely with our pendleton blanket and we put out our menu try to make it as nice as possible and we sat there we had a lot of people drive by looking at us like what are they selling that's the worst oh yeah when people drive by really slow and you and they stop and you don't know, okay, 
Should I go up? Do I have to go up? Do they expect us to go out and take their order, or are they just looking? Right. (laughs) I had to get used to that. That was tricky. They were were just looking because they wanted burritos. And then we had a lot of people roll down the window and say, What kind of burritos? (laughs) Or mutton? And we'd say, No, we don't. And then they'd drive off. Yeah. Leave us in the dust. (laughs) It was kind of disheartening at first, but I mean, we got a few customers that morning and... Yeah, some were like, ooh, this is different. Yeah. And then they were like, okay, and they they gave it a shot. And, yeah, and then the salsa, I was giving out samples. Oh, I miss miss pre-COVID. I know, me too. I miss samples. Me too. Like eating them. Not giving them away, just eating them. Just kidding. (laughs) No, but, yeah, we give out samples of salsa, and people liked it. Um, Mm -hmm. But... I can honestly say we probably only sold what had like maybe, maybe like, like ten sales. Yeah, but we had about twenty sales. Seventy dollars profit the first. Yeah, sale I mean, so we're like, all right, well, it's a start. Whatever. Yeah, let's let's yeah. not let that discourage us. Let's see, let's keep pushing and see where this takes so, us. Yeah. So we had a sale the next week, and then the next week, and then the next. Okay. So the whole reason why we started these sales, and this is kind of like what we had to change. As yes. far as our, um, I guess, our strategy of how to go upon owning uh, our own spot. Right. We had to adapt to our situation. So we did have to change our outlook and our business. Um, yeah. Because we weren't able to secure a permanent spot. So we figured, well, let's look Let's look for a food truck. Yep. That was our goal now. Instead that was... of finding a permanent spot, we were now trying to raise enough money to get a food truck correct and we had to start somewhere right so we started flea markets we started uh we just did it i think we just made a decision we're like all right well let's if we're gonna do this let's just let's let's do it let's do it go all out so we started doing more of these sales more at the flea market we tried doing a couple sales out the week we actually at the flea market we actually did an enchilada sale at the beginning of our Oh, this was before everything else. Yeah, when we got home. We did an enchilada sale. That's right. We did pretty good. That's right. The sucky thing is delivering, and that's always going to be not the greatest thing on the Navajo Nation because people have rural addressing. So you have to meet people at their offices, or you know, you have to find like a central location. That's what we do now because we've adapted to that too. We don't do deliveries to homes anymore. No way. <laughs> yeah. we do lesson we do learned <laughs> yeah we learned we've learned maybe we should get into drones that deliver our food that'd be oh, better that would be awesome we don't have to worry about roads or anything we just have just... to hire people to fly the drones <laughs> yeah but anyways off subject we started off with small sales made enough money got a grill and then one of our first i guess our first goal for a bigger vending spot was the zuni fair Mm-hmm. and the zuni fair we were really excited for um we had our grill and we decided we were going to do burgers yep um because who doesn't like burgers at the fair and when we did that man i felt i, re- I really felt like an underdog just because of our setup we, yeah i felt really intimidated the first big sale that we did I thought to myself, like, are we in over our heads? You know, we've never done this before, ever. So it was all a learning process. 
We were actually in our chef coats yeah, for I the mean, Zuni fair. That was, we wanted to we be wanted to as be. professional as possible. Mm-hmm. And we were the only temporary stand out there. Everyone else had food trucks. Yeah, everyone, yeah, we were surrounded by food trucks. Three of them were selling burgers. Yep. And I, our little stand. I honestly think we did the best out of those. I think so. That were there. I think so. I think we held our own. Um, it's really great. We were cleaning up, and when we were cleaning up, people that had eaten with us um, came came to us and told us. <laughs> I remember one of them said that was those were some really, those were some real good gourmet burgers. Yes. That was really nice hearing. And then we also had a lot of. Uh, repeat customers even yes. though we were there for two days we did this thing the first night where when everyone when we were getting ready to leave which was about midnight we decided to sell everything that we had correct and just get rid of it so we we called it happy hour <laughs> yeah reverse <laughs> happy hour that's what we called it we called it happy hour and we sold our teas which were I think three fifty for a cup. We sold them for a dollar, and then we sold our hot dogs for a dollar, which were yeah, normally yeah. three fifty. We sold our burgers for like two dollars, which were normally like five and six dollars. And a lot of people got in line and bought from us and cleaned us out. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool because even the next night, our second night there, people are like, like, happy hour? Yeah, they're waiting <laughs> for that happy hour, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think we did really good. We held our own. Good. It was a good start. And our next goal, which was really big for us, and we know how big this fair is, was the the Window Rock, Window fair. Rock fair. The Navajo Nation Fair. We were really debating on whether or not we would be able to get a vending spot because we were trying so hard to get a vending spot inside the pavilion. And if you've ever tried to get a spot inside the pavilion, you know how hard it is to get a spot in the pavilion. We ended up not being able to get a spot in the pavilion the first time we applied. We ended up getting a spot over by the powwow arena, which, which is, is really, cool, but which really dusty. It was very dusty. It was behind the freaking bathroom, so no one was able to see us who were walking around in the actual carnival area, and we but, were behind the powwow, so. People in the powwow would have to walk into this darker area to find us. Yeah, right. It just wasn't really. It wasn't really ideal, but we were like, you know, it's okay. We're gonna. We were gonna make it happen. Yes. That was the, yes. no matter what. We were gonna make it happen. Luck, I think. Yeah. Luck or sure someone luck. above is watching over us. I'm somebody. Sure. Somebody ended up dropping out from the pavilion, and we were notified that. You know there was a spot open and that any it was gonna go really fast so we had to act so we bought it we yep, bought we ended it up getting that spot we got a spot the day before everything started getting crazy and we did the fair we did the winter rock fair and ag- for three days yep and again we wanted to be different however <laughs> we wanted to keep the same concept of burgers yep but the main question was how can we be different yes what what were the challenges with that? So, what we decided to do was make two menus. Yep. Vegan, vegan. Health, I guess a more of a healthier for healthier option for a burger stand. 
So you had, on the healthy side, you had the turkey burgers, and then we had Boca burgers, and we had the vegan burgers. burgers. We also had vegan Frito pies. Correct. And we had turkey dogs, I think. No? I don't think so. We had mac and cheese. I remember that. That was on the kids' menu. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, oh, and we even had a kids' menu. Yes, we had a kids' menu because we were like, how come no one here has a kids' menu? I mean, think about it. Every time you go to the fair and you want to get your kids something, you always have to get them, like, a plain-ass burger or a big-ass Navajo burger or a big Navajo taco, you know. Or they end up eating junk food like the rest of us, you know. But we we did make a kids' menu, and it, it went really good. We did have some problems. We were super burnt out after those three days, but it was a learning process, and I'm so happy that we did do that. We just threw ourselves in there. And I think with that, with those, with that particular sale that we had at the Winter Rock Fair, I think that's where we were gaining a lot of customers' trust. That's yes. when we started making, kind of making our name for ourselves right yes. there at that moment. Yes. And... I think that that really and it shows. I mean, we still get compliments today from from that <laughs> the burger sale. Yep. Um, really cool. So fast forward, next one, Laguna Feast, one day event. <laughs> These were all one week. One after week apart. One another. Yeah. So September was a super busy month for us. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> and again, great response good compliments there in Laguna you know whoever whoever's listening from Laguna thank you again for all your support and your love out yes. there that was a lot of fun we miss everybody there and we hope we really really hope that we can do the Laguna feast next year and we yep. hope that this stupid ass COVID is gone for by real. then yes um, but um yeah so uh demographic was definitely a problem when we moved back well not a problem but it was an uh it was an obstacle for us and we did have to change a lot of our we had to change our mindset as far as our business goes because we were forced to we we had to adapt and that's what we did yep so um one of the other things that we wanted to talk about um a problem that we that is currently still ongoing is the food insecurity that affects the Navajo Nation. Mm, that's and a good one. Yeah. This is something that um, obviously, you know, we're not able to fix through our business, but we believe that with our business, we are able to at least provide more options for healthier alternatives to people. So if you live on the Navajo Nation, you know that food insecurity is actually a really big problem. And we have 475,000 people, approximately. We have 13, one, three grocery stores. And a majority of these grocery stores are Bash's supermarkets. They're not Navajo owned. Um, they're Bash's supermarkets. And I think uh, Lowe's. Lowe's is on the Navajo Nation as well. So these grocery stores, they don't have as much variety as you would find in a bigger city. They're 
very limited on supplies. So And their prices are it's it's really high. Are nuts compared are. to compared to the same branch just a different location. Yep. It's crazy. It is crazy. That was an issue for us too when getting the food for these stands. Yep, supplies. With supplies and buying food at bulk at a good price where you know otherwise we would have been charging <laughs> probably like $18 a burger or something like that. And you know what's crazy? I often wonder to myself how these other vendors are able to make profit off of the supplies that they buy locally. Yeah, that's true. And I don't know. I honestly don't think a majority of the vendors here do that because how could they? Yeah. The grocery prices are really high. Meats are always marked up. And it's really hard to buy uh, food service supplies here. The only place that really does offer food service supplies is Lowe's, but they have a very limited amount. And by limited, I literally mean one aisle. And it's not even the whole aisle, it's half of the aisle. <laughs> so, um, yeah, definitely was an issue for us um, because we were starting to get into catering as well. Because again, we had to, we had to adapt to the demographic. We had to adapt to the situation that was given to us. Yeah. And we also had to adapt to what the demands were here, where we are now living. So um, in order for us to get supplies in bulk, we always had to travel to border towns, Gallup, Farmington, Albuquerque. Flagstaff. Flagstaff and Phoenix. Yeah. If none of those places had what we needed. Even Winslow. Did we have to go to Winslow? Yep. We've too? had to go to Winslow. Yeah. It's really inconvenient. And, you know, doing all this too, it makes me, it made me think to myself, like, imagine, imagine if the Navajo Nation had their own grocery store or food distribution. Mm-hmm program or just how much that would benefit the nation itself if they had their own food if they had their own food center. yeah yep it, i don't know it boggles my mind but one place i really do enjoy going to is Helona in zuni new mexico you know zuni is they're is, doing they're doing pretty well for themselves they are like, they really are and Helona is a really nice place we, yeah they're brand new location <laughs> Every time we go to Zuni, we always go to Helona. I mean, maybe it's the lack of, uh, I don't want to just say fast food restaurants, but choices for food in that area if you want something quick. But we always end up finding ourselves walking around Helona looking for something to cook or... Yeah, the variety there, see, they're doing something right. The variety there, they have a lot of variety for that. They have more variety than Bashes does in Window Rock. They have gluten-free options. They have... Uh, organic vegetables they yeah. have a variety of cheeses and the best part about the vegetables too is their vegetables come from local farmers in the area yeah or from albuquerque yeah which is really cool mm -hmm. um so shout out to to them also major market major yeah, markets doing their own thing too they have their own starbucks now yep. they're doing and they have a really good restaurant cafe their own cafe yeah yep. little cafe they have yep. i think it's called grab and go 
Yeah. Grab and go. They have but a their menu, menu looks really good. It does. And yeah, I'm excited I wanna try to it. try it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I want to try it. Um, but shout out to them, too. Shout out to Zuni. They're, they've been doing, it looks like they're doing really well for themselves. Yeah. I, if I live, if we live there, and we when we do stay there, we always yeah. go shop, shop there. We don't go anywhere else. I mean, yep. you can't, we can get dragon fruit there. We can get. It's crazy. You can get uh, green chili in bulk goat there. Cheese. Goat we cheese. Can get yeah. There. It's awesome. It's as chefs, like mm-hmm. we love that store. They have keep a it up. Variety keep it up, Helena. Keep it up, Zuni. They have a variety of dried chilies. Yeah. They had blue corn, white corn, and whole corn in bulk dried. Yeah, and they have like stuff like tapioca flowers. Like they don't even think about that kind of stuff. They had a variety of breads. They had Zuni bread. Remember? Yep. They made there. They yep. had oven bread. They had sourdough bread they had a a lot of things there was really cool one other thing that we talked about earlier maybe we can reiterate on was the fact that we needed to gain trust from our followers and from just the community the local community of our business yeah and we were lucky enough to uh We were lucky enough to get a few opportunities to sell within certain entities on the Navajo Nation for different types of holidays and, you know, for bazaars and things like that. So that helped us a lot as well. And the problems there were just manpower, really, because, again, it's just Jeremy and I. And And I think we started, that's when we started realizing the demand for our product. Our product. Yep. That was a really big. It was an eye opener. Eye opener. Yeah. It was yeah. amazing. I. Wow. Yeah. I was super thankful. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty super cool. Super thankful, and it kind of just slapped us in the face because we were only in business for maybe like four or five months, mm-hmm. and we were moving at a really fast pace. So, the amount of uh, growth that we were able to maintain or we were able to gather within four months went from if you were to do it on a you know scale of people um, through our business page we went from like 20 people to about 500 and this was also including people who you know uh, but we started our business page late too we did. We did start a business We should have started eight. it when we started yeah. at the fairs. At the fair. But anyway. But we weren't, we weren't expecting that amount of growth in that amount of time. And by the time December came around, we were very overwhelmed. And <laughs> we were stretched pretty thin. And we were getting offers from a lot of different people at that time. So yeah. manpower was definitely hard. We had to... Hire my grandmas, which I'm super thankful for. You know, I'm, I'm happy that they were here and I'm happy that they support us. They're our biggest fans and <laughs> they helped us through a lot of sales. So if you've ever been to our sales and you're listening here, you've seen both of our grandmas at our sales. Yeah. Helping us with drinks or taking, our, taking your order. Those are my grandmas. Yeah, they're ride or die. They are. <laughs> There are PICs. Yeah. Enjoy to be around. Right. So the vegan and vegetarian options we kind of talked about already. 
and healthier option for food wasn't really accepted at first. But I think because of how confident we were in our products, we were able to get people who weren't vegetarian, who weren't vegan, you know, they were willing to try our vegan and vegetarian options, which was super awesome. And A, they did and they, they enjoyed it. They really liked it. Change, changing perspectives one meal at a time. Yep. Um, that was also our goal. And it's worked. It's working. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though we had a variety of sales, we still had the people who would come up to us and ask us, you know, where's the fry bread? Yeah. Where's the mutton? Yeah. How come you're not selling this? Or, you know, $8 for this? We get that a lot. Mm. And, yeah. you know, there's there's always going to be, you can't satisfy everyone yep. in this industry. And That's true. We are so thankful for everyone that, you know, does follow our business, does support our business, because without them, we would still be struggling and trying to make a name for ourselves. Yeah, that's, that's right. So everybody who, you know, is listening to this and you've been following us and you're willing to try new things, super awesome. And thank you so much. Yeah. So one other thing that we've had a problem with and we saved us for last because um, it's something that we've been asked before and it's something we've also discussed before because this is going to be a never-ending problem. Yeah, it will come up again. Yeah, exactly. For any type of, you know, if you're starting a food establishment and you have a niche, just know that there are going to people, there are going to be people out there who want what you have and who are not willing to do the amount of work that you are in order to create the things that you do. So we're talking about copycats and we're talking about duplicates and replications. Um, how do you feel about it? Conflicted. Um, I mean, I know, I know we're in this, in this industry, in this business. We want to inspire people. Um, I do think though, okay, this is how I look at it. If we're to start something, um, I don't know, can be a trend. It could be a, a new way to cook burger, a better way to cook. I'll just use burgers. A, a better way to cook a burger. Mm-hmm. If if I don't like any burgers around here, like around this area, and they're like okay to me, mm-hmm. and we do a stand and we do burgers the way we want to, the way we want our customers to enjoy them. Right. Because we want them not only to enjoy a product that they're spending their hard-earned money on, we want to make an everlasting impression and make them say, damn, that's the best burger I've ever had mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. And we're so, not talking about inventing or reinventing a burger. No, it's just no making, one... making tweaks so that it makes it ours. So that... Sorry. Um, it makes it ours. Yeah, and and when we do that, 
part of me's saying, okay, if people are going to start, like, I want to inspire people. I think that's my nature. Yeah. I want to inspire. But along, something that comes along with inspiring people are going to be mimics, uh, duplicates, quote-unquote, yeah, uh, copy, copycats. Um, but I think that's a great start because I think that yeah, you've already have inspired someone because they're literally doing the same thing that you're doing. Now, once that's done, it can be going out. If it changes the way everyone starts cooking burgers in the area, that makes me happy in a sense too because I know now that because of the burgers that we were making, and if someone wants to copy the same burger, whatever, mm -hmm. at least I know now I can get a good quality burger now. Not just we have to we not just us making it. We can get a good quality burger at more places in the area. Mm -hmm. And but it's the seeing your work being re recreated again. At first, when it first happens, it's gonna bug you like oh, what. You know, and of course, maybe some, maybe some will, maybe some won't shout out, you know, oh, I got inspired by, you know, for your plate only or, or this other vendor. But that's how I feel about it. But at least it's a start to change, I guess, to change the way food's being made. Mm -hmm. What about you? I don't know how to feel about it, honestly. I mean, I don't think, like, the food, like, that we've, like, cooked, I'm saying, like, from our stands has been recreated as much as your pastries. Mm, okay. I, I don't know how to feel about it. But at the same time, you know, I, food is trending always. Mm -hmm. Different styles of food are trending always. Yeah. And if it's not trending now, believe it's going to probably be trending in a few years or, you know, a couple months from now. Because that's how food is. It's just like fashion. Whatever's not trending right now might come back in a few years or a couple of months, like I just said. And it's like a never-ending rotation. So... Is there new things that you can do with food? No, <laughs> not really, because it's been done before. Yeah. But are there new combinations and things, you know, that you can tweak so that you can make it your own? Kind of. It depends. It depends on whether or not you gain inspiration from somebody who has done it previously. Mm -hmm. And then after you do that, can you really call it your own? You know what I mean? Yeah. So we've made things like blue corn scones, blue corn cookies, blue corn cupcakes, blue corn cakes, blue corn breads, blue corn pancakes. Um, we've done things like that. I've done things like that. You know, I came up with my own recipe and that's what I've utilized in order to sell. Now, does that mean that I've created those? myself no no 
No, no. because blue corn pancakes have been around for a while. <clears throat> and I'm not going to say, you know, that I'm the creator of blue corn pancakes. That would be ridiculous. I'm not. But have I made my own recipe for blue corn pancakes in which I think that work best for that product? Yes, I have. Have I given it out? Kind of. You know, we've done um, a few different types of recipe videos and things like that. I'm never going to give out my my own recipe because um, it's mine. <laughs> but I am going to give you a version of that recipe that'll still work and taste good mm -hmm. for yourself. So I've seen, you know, I, I, I've done blue okay i'm just going to talk about it so i've done blue corn scones with juniper and blueberry here and that wasn't really done here at that time at all mm -hmm. the type of shape the type of texture the look it i haven't seen it in this area um i haven't really seen it at all actually but i was messing around with a few of my recipes and i decided to try uh, one of my recipes with blue corn. So I did that and hence came this scone. Mm. And <laughs> <laughs> but uh, people ended up really liking it. A few people were skeptical at first because um, I don't really think people put juniper in a lot of pastries here, but I love, I love juniper and I love its flavor and I love its health benefits. Um, so we decided to use it. And if you do eat blue corn a lot, if you eat mush, you already know that people put gut or juniper ash in their pastries. Um, so I decided to use the berry. And when I did that, you know, it, it became a popular among our followers. And that's something mm -hmm. that we always make for them. And it's something that always sells out really quick. Now, fast forward maybe like a month or two later, we actually found replicates of that scone in a few <laughs> different places. Yeah. Um, we bought them, you know, yeah. we, we, we did. We bought them, we tried them um, because we support, we support small business and, you know, I wasn't in there trying to demolish things or <laughs> I no, she's lying Shelby went back in oh and said God. oh this doesn't taste like wine just kidding stop no I did not <laughs> no she didn't <laughs> um but again I, I but you know I think I don't go ahead I think that when we make these products mm -hmm. it's it's pretty cool when you do see them mm -hmm. because you have to remember too even though it looks like your product it does not taste like your product meaning yes it can be look it can be made to make it similar to make it look similar but the flavor and the hard work that you put into your recipe can be way different from the product that they made yeah i think the thing that bothers me and i was talking to jeremy about this earlier is that um i don't mind you know i don't mind if people try to replicate my work what bothers me is that People take your ideas and then they call it your own mm. or their own. Um, so, 
when I did see those, there was no mention of, oh yeah, we got this recipe or we got this idea from this person, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it kind of hurt a little bit and I know it's going to happen all the time. It's going to happen no matter what, especially because we put our work on social media. Yeah. I just hope that the people that do replicate or try to replicate my work understand that the way that we make our products and the way that we make our food is coming from a complete place of love and hard work and dedication. Yeah. And this is our livelihood. This is what we do for a living. This isn't yep. something that we're just doing for money. Or a hobby. Or a hobby. You know, we, we, we paid a lot of money to go to school. We busted our asses at a lot of different kitchens. And, you know, we, we do this for ourselves. And we also do this for you. We do this for you. We do this so that you have this option, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I'm not going to be mad about it or anything like that. I can't. I can't be because I've drawn inspiration from different works of art, too. You know, when we've done our cookies sure. and things like that, it's not, you know, it's not like it's coming from a complete place hidden in my brain or anything like that. I'm... I'm always doing research and I'm always trying to figure out different ways to incorporate different ingredients or we're always trying to find new ways to incorporate local ingredients. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I like your answer. I mean, it's, it's true. It's honest. It, Thanks. It's, it is hard though. And at first, when it first starts kind of happening, mm -hmm. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, it is hard. But that means you're doing something, right? Thank you. I think you too. Trailblazing. Trailblazer. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this is our episode on some of the things we've had issues with and um, some of the problems we've had in trying to start our business on the Navajo Nation. No, we didn't really get into applications or anything like that, you know, paperwork, tax regulation, and blah, blah, blah. We're not going to do that today, so. Yeah. Save it for another day. Yeah. Well, all right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Yep. We're going to go find the dogs and let them in so they can sleep inside. Yeah, so they can be hot dogs. Instead of cold dogs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Good night. Have a good night. Or Until next. Or good day, <laughs> depending on whether or not you're listening to this that night. <laughs> Until next time. Bye. Bye.